listening to the Art of Fulfillment podcast. We interview the world's most fulfilled people to share with you the strategies, techniques, and ideas that can help you master your own art of fulfillment. Life isn't about external success. It's all about fulfillment. Or in other words, how you feel about yourself when you are by yourself. Today's guest is the host of the New Hollywood Podcast and founder of New Hollywood LLC, a company devoted to helping companies and individuals make a lasting impact on the world. He's worked with some of the top Fortune 500 companies such as Disney and Microsoft, as well as some prominent names in the entertainment industry, such as Terrell Owens and Greg Gatsby. Not only has he worked with high-profile individuals, his New Hollywood Podcast became a top 100 podcast on iTunes and a top 20 podcast to listen to on NASDAQ in 2019, but all of these successes weren't given to him. He had to earn it. As when he was 27 years old, he moved to LA with less than $500 in his bank account, a leaky air mattress, and three months of rent paid, all in the hopes of achieving his wildest dreams. And now he is currently living those dreams and making all of his wildest dreams come true. So please help me in welcoming Ashwin Jacob to the Art of Fulfillment. Welcome to the show, Ashwin. Thank you for having me on, Joe. Oh, of course, man. I'm I'm really excited to talk with you. And and like I said before the show, I was looking into your world and uh, when I was when I was researching you to have you potentially on the show, and I was like, when I heard the term life enthusiast, I was like, this guy would be awesome for the podcast because I think people need to be more enthusiastic about life, whatever that is. And I think you embody that in what you do and your life and everything along the way. So so before we kind of get into, you know, your background a little bit, like what does that term life enthusiast like really mean? And like, how can people learn how to be enthusiastic about things in their life if they aren't already? So I think a lot of times when you ask people what they do, they come back with a job title. Mm-hmm. They say, I work at a bank or I am a accountant or I am a you know, chef or I own a restaurant. It's always about like work. Um, and for a long time, I was one of those people. I was a celebrity talent manager. I was a producer. I, uh, you know, did a lot of cool things. I hosted a top 20 podcast. I throw exclusively large celebrity and exclusive events and all these things used to define what I did. And then about a couple of years ago, I realized that I didn't want to be defined by what I do, but it is what I do that makes me happier, makes me feel filled that defines who I am. So life enthusiasm for me is really about like waking up every morning and do what makes me happy. Some days that might mean taking a mental reset. So last Monday, 90 degrees, I'm in Los Angeles, cruised over to the beach, had a nice little beach day. Uh, There are other days that I'll work, you know, 18 hours a day. And I think it's having the freedom and the choice to make that a priority, that life is something that's meant to be enjoyed. We all woke up that's listening to this podcast today. It doesn't mean that we're going to go to bed tomorrow or that we're going to wake up the next day. So if you're not living your life and that you're waiting for a certain moment or a certain career thing or a certain relationship, to be happy and to enjoy the fruits of your labor, you're not really living. Mm-hmm. You're wasting, you're wasting the gift that is your life. And for me, I think it's really important to uh, enjoy every aspect, every minute of it, even the bad parts of life, as much as they're painful and they suck in the moment, it's trying to process, accept and get over that grief so that you can enjoy, you know, as soon as possible. And I think it's accepting that we all have that dark and light to us. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love it. You said that, like even enjoying like the bad times too, because like you said, like you, you can enjoy every minute of your life, whether or not it's good or bad. And the reality is like, we're going to have bad times. We're going to have times where it rains in our parade and we're going to have to do shit that we don't want to do. And so I think that is so important. I love that you added the mortality kind of thing in there too, that like, it's not guaranteed that we're going to make it to our beds at the end of the night every single day. And so that sense of not urgency, but but just humility that, you know, we're all going to die, I think can really be powerful when it comes to looking at our day to days and saying like, how am I going to choose to live today? And that whole con- kind of concept that you're saying that you want to, you want to, you know, enjoy every second of your life and do what you really want. Did that play into, and I'm sure it has, but I'm curious to hear from your perspective, when you made the move from Boston to Los Angeles, and I read your story, how, you know, you went to Los Angeles for like three months rent or something like that, and like $500 in your bank account or something like that. And so for some people reading that or hearing that, they might be like, what the fuck, is this guy crazy or something? But I have a feeling like it's probably intertwined with that whole life enthusiast thing. So, so is it, and, and what was kind of going through your mind you know, what was that process like, uh, making that big transition like that? Well, dude, honestly, I waited later in life to try mm. and make like, the big move because at that point I was already 27. I had a mm. master's degree. I was teaching, I was lecturing at all sorts of things, but I was kind of going at my dreams with a safety net. I made mm. sure I was making money through other things that were more stable and I was waiting for this perfect time to move. And then progressively my heart wasn't in a lot of the other things that I was doing. So those things would fall apart or I'd get frustrated or I'd get angry about it. Uh, so about two years before I moved, I decided, you know, you need to build a good foundation to have a solid network when you move out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enrolled in Emerson College where I got my master's degree in integrated marketing communication. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big entertainment school. I did an internship at ICM, went out for a period of like two months, intern, figured out like some wild ways, had a script do the rounds that me and my business partner created uh, through William Morris Endeavor, which was like an amazing experience. And ultimately that didn't pan out, but I realized that being where I needed to be, which was LA in my mind, it was always LA. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was the only place that I could really compete. And it was a place that I would sacrifice a lot of the amenities or niceties that I had in life to go after my dream fully. And ultimately it was realizing that I didn't need all the things that I thought I did. And it's Mm -hmm. also, if you have X amount of things that you need to pay for that you have to have to pay for, you're going to figure out a way to make it work. You might not do it in the prettiest way or you might do it, not do it in the most ideal way. And sometimes you might need to borrow from credit cards or, you know, other figure out weird solutions. But that's kind of the situation I moved out to LA in, which is I need to go after my dream. And if it doesn't work out, at least I know I try. And you learn lessons along the way. And I think having less allows you to connect with people in a deeper way. Because, mm-hmm. you know, after I achieved success, a lot of people wanted to be around me for access friendships or things that i could do for them but when you have nothing and you have that shared struggle with other people you create a much more beautiful relationship Mm, yeah dude wow that's so beautiful and i don't think i've personally ever experienced that because i've had a pretty comfortable upbringing but like i can totally see the beauty behind that of just going up to someone with you know no agenda or like you don't you don't really have anything on your back. So you're just kind of going there and you're just giving, you know, your attention and your time and, and which is the most valuable asset, you know, at least in my opinion, which I think is cool. Well, dude, one of the things I do, and this is like one of the biggest secrets to the way that I was able to connect is I didn't really have anything to offer. I didn't have family or friends in the business. Mm. Really, I had to really authentically get people to like me, to give me a shot, to even get in the door, mm-hmm. to even do free work, to offer to do something for free 
which is something that is lost on a lot of people in today's day and age, which is their time is worth something. But ultimately, people that are powerful or people that have access have so many people throwing themselves at them uh, that you need to stand out and you need to get trusted to make the coffee first. Mm-hmm. You, to, you know, run an errand and progressively that's how you build up. But I would go up to people, I'd ask them about their life, where they're from, and then figure out ways or things that they wanted to do that I could figure out a way to help them with or that I could bring them value or you and I could reach out on their behalf because mm-hmm. no one likes to deal with rejection. So one of the biggest things in life that we all deal with is rejection. That means right. in your interpersonal relationships with friends, dating, or in business. So in business, if you're in sales, you're getting rejected all day long. Majority of sales happen after the fifth through the 12th attempt, right? Mm. It's about 80% yeah. of sales. About 95% of people give up after the third try. Shit. 95. And about 50, a little less than like uh, 50 give up after the first. Oh my gosh. So that's, that's what the wild part of it is. Ultimately, it's a matter of you know, shooting shots and trying and going after it. Uh, I was just reading something about Lizio, the pop star today. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I was performing with negative $32 in my bank account for beer and food. And ultimately, it's about being a loser until you hit that big success. You're accelerating your failure towards your growth. But it's also not doing it with intention, uh, which I'm seeing a lot of today in like the self-help space is, you know, you just need to fail. You just need to be an entrepreneur. No, you don't need to be an entrepreneur. If that is not making you happy six months or a year in and you're seeing other people that have a regular job and they're happy, it is perfectly acceptable to go out there and get a job mm-hmm. and work and have stability. It is what's right for you. It's not about falling into that trap of once I get something, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, exactly. About figuring out how to be happy in the moment. And if you're not happy, how to change the things that you can. Right. Wow, dude, I love that answer. And I'm, I'm really, really fascinated that you, you brought up that point about how people, they see the entrepreneurship, like the path, so to say, on Instagram with these like flashy lights and everything. And people are like, oh, I want that. And like, that'll make me happy. And people go down that path. But in reality, like the process for some people, entrepreneurship is going to make them miserable. And not just because like they're weak or anything like that, because they just don't genuinely enjoy like the grind and the process or anything like that. So like, why do you think like people are just so enamored by that path? And like, how can people learn how to enjoy the day-to-day kind of process of whatever they're going through? Like you said, like creating the happiness around you, like how can people like go towards that if they find themselves tracking towards the entrepreneurship path, but like really deep down, it's maybe not for them. Well, I'm not going to throw any names out there, but if you follow a lot of the large entrepreneurs online right now, Mm -hmm. all you see are Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and girls. (laughs) It's commercial. You're, You're creating full commercial content. You're seeing these large followers and you're seeing all these vanity metrics. But at the end of the day, if you rationally look at it, if you are selling a product that is inherently unsexy, mm-hmm. right? Let's say you have the world's largest plumbing business in the world. You're richer than a lot of people that you think are like celebrities, you know? If you right. invest in the toilet, you're probably richer than most pop stars, you know? Right. right. Um, and if this person has a big following and there's so much engagement, Sometimes this engagement is artificially derived or artificially created. And that's what people are buying into. They're buying into that. Once I get this luxury car, people are going to like it. Mm-hmm. People don't actually like you. They want to take a photo with your toys so that they right. can post that cool picture with the toy that you have. Mm-hmm. And ultimately you're going to be sadder or more depressed because of that. And I think it's removing the idea of like, you know, that we read these stories, which are great stories to read and it's awesome if it happens to you, 
which is you start your first business, you end up becoming successful with your friends. More often than not, it is a road of a lot of failure, a lot of debt, and a lot of pain, and a lot of sacrifices. And I think it's really coming to terms and people being more honest about the ups and downs of their life. Everyone wants to share the positives, which is, you know, I sold this project and I made X amount of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas no one talks about, for three years, I was living off of credit cards and I was driving the same car for 20 years and hoping that that car didn't break down on the way to me. Or I have this sports car that I'm leveraged to the hilt on to close deals, but I literally have to go to the grocery store, take quarters, and then change it into dollars so that I can buy gas and hopefully get to that meeting and back. Oh, shit. And that's the truth of what a lot of entrepreneurs did to make it, is they mm. sacrificed and they gave up pieces of their life that most normal human beings would not want to give up to go after it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that's the right decision. It doesn't mean that's the best solution. It really is figuring out what is right for you personally. Right, right. And so for someone who's listening right now, who's because I get this question a lot for from my guests is like, oh yeah, like I get it. Like, you know, have something that you, you would die for, you would go broke for, like all that stuff. But it's like, I don't really know like what I would die for, or, like go bro for or anything like that. Like, I don't know what it is with, with the generation that we have, but, but a lot of people seem to be, at least in my listener group, like a little just like lost on which direction they want to go. So what would kind of be your advice for, for someone who did it? And maybe how did you kind of develop your passion in terms of uh, for, for being in the entertainment industry and for what you do today? Well, one, live your life. You're actually being much more honest than most other people are. If you don't have something that you're willing to die for, then don't act like you do, you know? A lot of people are out there that are like, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Dude, 90% of the people I talk to that hit me up that are under the age of 25 are like, I'm an entrepreneur, I do this business. Okay, cool. Uh, What are you doing it for? Well, I need to get a ton of press around like my business. I need to get like a top podcast. I need to, you know, be seen with all these big business people. I need to be in the room and meet with, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone. I need to take photos with all these people. And ultimately, that is just a culture of people doing the same thing that they do to celebrities, which is they just want to be around with them for the sake of clout. That is not a real business model. That is not a real purpose. That is not real drive. That is just chasing after vanity metrics to impress people in your life that do not matter. You need to take time to figure out who you are internally, what actually motivates you, what actually makes you happy, and what is something that you can see yourself doing for an extended period of time versus. What do you see yourself doing right now to make a quick buck? Or what's your quick sell? What's the snake oil that you're going to sell today? And that's what a lot of like this new age of like digital entrepreneurship has become recently is a lot of people selling something small to try and get manufactured press around something that's not going to benefit really anyone really in their life. When they get that press, they're not going to be satisfied with it because it's not really driving a real business. And then C, they're not really being present in their life. They're Mm -hmm. putting off a lot of things to create an artificial life. I think it is starting to live your life day by day. Embrace the fact that you need to have failure in your life. You're going to run into a lot of failure more often than not. And I think that is really the cool part of uh, the journey that is life is you just got to try out new things. Say yes to experiences. Say yes to that trip to a different country. Say yes to learning about something new because until you learn about something new, you're never going to really know your thoughts on that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's so true. It's like in learning, like expands your mind as well. Like you get used to new different, you, or you, you get used to the variety and the newness of things so that when the unexpected does happen, it's like you're training your brain to kind yeah. of face those kind of things. And so I'm curious too, because like, I, I know that, you know, like, you're on a mission and, and kind of on a purpose, but like what motivates you in life? Cause to hear like your perspective on how people frame their lives is truly fascinating. I think it's awesome. And I think it's so powerful. And so I, I think it'd be awesome for like our listeners to know, like for you, like what, what motivates you in life and, and kind of like why, what, what drives you to get through those failures and to, to get through the hardships, like whenever it comes up or when you were, you know, coming up, like to the path that you are now, what, what kind of got you through those, those dark times? I think personally growing up, truthfully, I think I always felt that I had an underlying belief that I was less than, mm. that I didn't deserve it. And I was always told by the people around me, a lot of classmates, a lot of peers that these things would never happen. And I willed a lot of my success into existence. I didn't have that traditional thing of I applied and I got the job. I'd apply and I get rejected by everyone. I'd figure out the weirdest, hardest backdoor in and find someone that was in a position to kind of, you know, authority jack or give me the credibility or push me in to give me that shot or give me enough rope that I either hang myself or that I succeed. <laughs> and I progressively, you know, took little victories here and there and I built up little things. I started a small casting business, went from that to managing some talent. And I learned a lot of stuff by doing and failing and doing it wrong and gradually improving. But at the peak of all of this, when I had a lot of the toys, when I had the income that I wanted to get to, when I had all those toys, I realized that I wasn't happy for me. I was purely validated based on the thoughts of other people and things and toys that I had. And I took some time off and I reset, got into breath work, got into meditation, got into, you know, living life for me, you know, grounding it for me. And ultimately making it less about what I can do for you, but do I actually connect with human beings that I'm doing business with, human beings that I'm friends with, and what is the mission that I'm trying to ultimately do? A lot of these things were based on clout in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now, my real three guiding pillars in life are influence, impact, and legacy. Mm-hmm. I'm on a journey to build more influence so that I can help other people on their journey towards happiness, uh, help them towards their careers, and leverage a lot of those assets and relationships that I've built throughout my you know, long years of struggle <laughs> to genuinely just help the next generation of people out. Because people were generally not kind to me until I had things to offer that were serious or I had established clout or credibility. I love being that person that gives somebody their first gig or their first opportunity to try and do something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a beautiful thing in life is you know, people can be rude or hurtful towards you and you can take that in and you can exert that dominance in other people in your life. Or you can process that to the best of your abilities whenever you can, internalize that, move forward, move past that, and then spread joy and kindness to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I had someone that I met a while ago that we stayed in touch with, and like the conversation ended up going like, it was a business relationship too that like they just didn't see value, right? Mm-hmm. And they weren't really fully educated on the opportunity. And I figured out one or two things that they wanted. And even though they were rude, I just provided them with the opportunity of what they wanted. Wow. And that's hard, dude, that learning how to do that and learning how to kind of push past other people being worse to doing right by them, even when you don't have to. It's having the power to absolutely destroy or to, you know, exert your force or your dominance in business or in life and passing that up 
being a better human being and not expecting anything from others. When you remove that expectation from others in business, in life, you become much more free. Mm. Everyone's yeah. doing what they need to do to make themselves happy. And all you need to do is live your life to make yourself happy. As long as you're not hurting another person, that's fine. Yeah, man. Wow. Dude, that was so interesting. It's so beautiful too. Like in, in the way that you, you worded that and it almost is like you put yourself in control of yourself when you're able to not let other people's jurisdictions or, or judgments or anything kind of toss you around, even when they're being like a total dick to you and you're going to like come out and just be a genuine person and try to help them. Like, I think that is such a powerful thing, not just from a sense of dominance, but from a sense of self-worth and a sense of like self-credibility and kind of like bringing back to the point that you said earlier, how a lot of the things like driven in your life early on. And I really resonate with this because I definitely have the same kind of upbringing where it's like, I didn't feel like I was enough or you didn't feel like you were enough and kind of getting past that. Is that, is that kind of like the hurdle that you have to get through? Like that's kind of fucking you up whenever, um, let's just say someone comes to me and just says, Hey, fuck you, Joe. And like, I feel like, Oh, like, you know, ripping this guy right back or something like that. Is that the kind of thing that's, that's pushing us back? Or is it something deeper? Is it like an ego thing? Um, I think it's what, twofold. One is we're conditioned, you know, environmental responses condition us to do things. When you like run and fall, you're nervous about running and fall. Or right. if you've fallen off of a skateboard, you get nervous when you get onto that. And I think it's reconditioning your brain that that is acceptable or that is okay or that person's belief set about you is not necessarily your truth. Right. I don't look like what people expect when uh, they think of someone that's had success in like the areas of like the entertainment industry and the modeling business that I've had success in. I'm an Indian guy. My parents are immigrants. I come from Boston, you know? I'm right. very regular and I'm extremely like, I try my best to be as nice as possible in as many encounters as I can. But if you try and have a conversation with me at an event that I'm producing, I'm not going to be nice because I'm dealing with like 10 or five headaches. I think a lot of it is understanding the conditions that you're trying to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to talk to a speaker at an event and they're like running off to do something, they're not fully engaged in having that conversation. Right. You have to understand that you need to make that brief or shorter response. Or if someone is visibly not trying to have the same conversation with you, give them space and time to have a different conversation. And I think it's like picking up on some of those cues. I think persistence is very, very important, but you need to understand the space and the timing to do it. So, Right. Right. And it's having that sense of empathy. It feels like too, just like knowing like, Hey, like what, what can this person be feeling? What can this person be thinking right now? Like what's going through their heads and stuff like that. So, so how, how do we learn how to, I guess, like you said, picking up on the cues, like, is that something that you just learn with experience and doing, or like, did you like learn it from somebody? Like, how did you kind of learn how to it's, pick up it's, those It's all people? learned by experience, but sometimes people don't give the right indicator. You might not pick up on it. It's just right. like flowing with it. But I think the biggest thing is just common courtesy and respect. You know, yeah. the other week I was producing an event and there's people that were acquaintances of mine that cut around a line of people that were all RSP at the same level, right? Mm -hmm. Then it was just a sheer matter of they thought that they were better than other people, right? Mm -hmm. They told the person, no, we don't need to show you IDs. We're famous. Which in LA, there's a lot of people that are famous. Yeah, Most of them will show you their ID. They're not going to like, affect someone that's just doing their job. That person is literally doing their job to prevent the establishment that they work for from getting a city fine. Perfectly right. a normal thing. Then they're like, 
yo, we're going to talk to the person. I'm like, yeah, this is my event. What's up, guys? I'm like, oh, we know you. Like, can't this be good? Like, he has a video of it. And I'm like, okay, does he have his ID? Can you just go grab it? It's in the car. Cars are literally less than two bucks away. They spent 15 minutes arguing with a guy in front of this door, holding up the door. Cars block away. You can walk to it in five minutes. Finally, the guy comes back with his ID, walks in. And then he has somebody else that needs to do the same thing and tries to do the same argument and block up the door. That is at a point that you are exerting and just not treating people well. And you're just not being a good human being. And you're creating a culture in which other people glorify or think that that's what you need to do. I think that's what we need to move away from is when you're in a position of power and you're in a position of dominance to treat people with respect. Because I think anyone doing their job deserves to be treated with respect, regardless of the position that they're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you never I, know, I agree. Man. You never know. The person that's getting your coffee today or the intern that's interning for you could be your boss tomorrow. Great example of that is Diddy and Andre Harrell. Andre Harrell hired Diddy as an intern and an assistant. Now, Diddy owns Bad Boy and Combs Enterprises. Andre Harrell is a very prominent person at Combs Enterprises. Mm-hmm. If he was rude or if he was disrespectful or if he wasn't a good mentor to him, he would have missed out on that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's a powerful story. That is a really powerful story. And and yeah, you never know. And you can always learn from people too. Like that's kind of like the, always the thing that I tell myself, it's like, Hey, like, even though, you know, this person might not be good in this area, I could probably learn something from them or I can always find ways to help, you know, different people. Right. It's just, it's again, like having that, that genuine just kindness, like you were talking about and just being treating people with respect that I think is so important and somewhat lost this day. I totally agree with you. Well, dude, like I'm considered like a marketing expert. I am a person that forecasts what's cool. I trend about right. What I'm doing, I'm in the business of selling cool and what's hip and like all of these things. But today, what makes me an expert is the fact that I know the things that I know and the things that I don't. So if I'm marketing a toy product, I'm gonna take the feedback from five year olds and six year olds and kids (laughs) in that space and moms and parents. But for me, I'm a 31-year-old single guy. I'm not going to know what like a parent knows about what their kids do with toys or what a kid is actually interested in. We're asking Orion's toy review or toy review bloggers about what sort of toys and what sort of packaging is attractive to their viewer. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the biggest part of humility is, is that there's always going to be someone, regardless of how great you are at something that can give you valuable feedback, that valuable feedback and giving that person credit will put you in a better position to do great things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Wow. I totally agree with that. And it's, it's, it's really nice to hear you say that. Cause it's something that I feel like I often struggle with a lot, like where it's like you're creating a product or even sometimes to the extent this podcast, I'll be like, Hey, like, this is what I would like to hear. But then in the end of the day, you got to think about it. You'd be like, is this like what my audience wants to hear? Like, I don't know. Like, and you, you start to gain that humility through that and try to like, think of not everyone thinking the same way that you do. Cause people don't. Right. Well, it's also being honest with people, dude. Like, mm-hmm. So one of the things I told you prior to this podcast starting is I'm getting ready for releasing season two, which is already filmed, of my podcast. Right. And one of the things in the podcasting space is like, there's a lot of like smaller podcasts that will reach out and want me to have come, come on their podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And I get into this awkward situation. In the beginning, like, I would be really awkward about the situation where people would be like, hey, I'd love to like, come on your podcast. <laughs> My podcast, I primarily only interview like celebrities and influencers because that's what my audience is interested in. That's what my background is. So if you're someone on the come up or if you're working a regular job, 
a lot of my audience is not going to be interested in that. And it's kind of just in the beginning, I'd be like, Hey, I'm already a season ahead. And I'd avoid, I wasn't lying. Right. I'm already a season filmed. I already have season two fully filmed. Right. Right. It's already just ready to go. That'd be my get out of thing for the people <laughs> who persist. So like, no, like I want to like do it. Like let's do your interview and I come on yours. And now it's just better to save everyone's time and set a clear expectation I just tell everyone out the bat that I'm really only able to interview these people because this is what my audience is hitting. Mm -hmm. This is what the team of people I'm working on is willing to work on because, you know, I have an editor on my team. I have producers, I have different people that are involved in my project and they all have goals and metrics that they're judging the success of it by and the way that these people are motivated and that my team is able to do what they need to do to be in a position that everyone is getting a W is I need to curate based on what my audience demands or wants or needs or benefits the most from. And by being more honest about that, I save everyone's time, minds, whoever I'm talking to. And it just becomes a much more clear experience. Like either you're into the story or the message that I'm trying to share, or it's not relevant to you. Right. It's about just trying to do a collab. Then it's not going to be authentic. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be a bad conversation because in the back of my mind, truthfully, I'm going to know that this isn't going to connect with my audience. Yep. It's going to underperform, like just on the view count and on the vanity metrics or what people want to see mm-hmm. for them. And all of us are going to have a lesser experience. And I might actually lose some of the people that have been following or gaining value because it doesn't hit their core, core goals of what they're looking for. And I think right. it's just being really, really honest with people about your expectations of what you're looking for, being honest about what you need and figuring out what is a win-win when things work and when things don't work. You know, I had a, I had another person that came in my life recently and I think I told him like 25 times that I had no interest in doing business with him mm. because he just couldn't like, it was a waste of my time. It mm. just honestly was a waste of time because he'd be like, Hey, I'm in this business. And then come to find out he wasn't in the businesses they were saying he was in. Oh, None of the deals would ever close. <laughs> and then each time I was like, dude, if you can't close this one deal, why am I going to put in another deal? Mm-hmm. Or, and sometimes it's also letting people get away with it. So like that was the case that I had to be like, I just don't want to do business with you. Like, I have no interest in doing business with you to be sociable, but I just have not liked the way that you conduct your business. I conduct my business in a very different way. I operate off of invites, scheduling and like handling what I said I'm going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, there are other people that I have absolutely zero interest in like having that social friendship with, but I can do amazing business with because we get how each other speaks on the business end. Mm-hmm. We work really well together and we can be extremely personable. And I think that's the big differentiator for people is you don't have to have something to be at the table a lot of times. We can just have a random conversation or we can just jump straight into business and see if it's a fit and if it's not, move on. Like the the other week I was chatting with someone and everything they said was a flex for the sake of flexing to impress me about metrics that were not right or wrong. And some of these things were just factually inaccurate and some of them I think were willfully factually inaccurate. Mm. I just shook my head and I said yes because I didn't want to bring – drama into that situation is in a public setting and you should never embarrass another person in front of a grouping of people. If they're doing something incorrect, it's usually best to pull them aside and have that conversation as an aside. Mm. Because if you challenge someone in a public domain like that, they're going to get challenged and that's going to cause more problems for everyone involved. Mm. 
Yeah, no, that that's really interesting. I've actually never thought of it like that. Where, like, the level of emotional intelligence that you have is is absolutely fascinating. I think it's it's so cool to like, because you you're really in tune to you know how other people are gonna feel. Like, it sounds like from the way that you interact with people, and it's so cool to hear your perspective. And I love that you touch on honesty, like being honest with people, because that's a value that I see in my life as well. Because it's like you're being honest with someone and it's like hard to hear. You're like not being a dick. You're, you're actually like being caring, right? Cause you're, you're giving them the truth. And if you're giving them the truth, like you said, it saves everyone's time. And one thing that I personally struggle with, and I know people who also struggle with as well, cause like I can take feedback. Like if someone like, for example, like at the end of the show, and I'm definitely going to ask you, I'm going to be like, Hey, what'd you think of it? What can I do better? If you like went out and be like, Hey Joe, like, honestly, I had a terrible time with this podcast and I think you suck as a host. I'd be like, great. That's awesome. I get to use that information. But then usually I find myself struggling. And I know this is the case with, with a lot of people in my life is that it's like, if someone asked me, they'd be like, what do you think? And like deep down in mind, it's like, oh, they suck. Like I kind of like, you know, I'm like, oh man, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I kind of like that same kind of thing. So how do you balance that kind of gap between like being honest, but like not like, or, or, being openly honest without having that kind of fear of, you know, being a people pleaser or a yes man or something like that. I think it's just setting healthy boundaries. Mm. I think that's the hardest thing in life. And it took me a long time to learn how to set what is acceptable and what's unacceptable in my life. Mm-hmm. So what's unacceptable in my life is if you hit me up the week of Coachella or the week of Halloween and you want me to work on a project or if you want to try and do a meeting, like I tell everyone, if you're trying to talk to me or if you're trying to like be my friend during an event that I'm producing or an event that I'm working, I'm going to come off extremely rude because this is my occupation. It's like, if I came to your office while you're working on a project that's due in like two hours, and there's all <laughs> sorts of curveballs, your boss is coming in and I'm like, I, I don't know why Joe's not taking the time to hang out and grab a coffee and just like, you know, right. have a conversation and get to meet all of my friends. <laughs> and I'm like, it's an awkward situation, but I tell everyone that and it's, I still run into it a lot because the nature of my job or the nature of the clients that I work with are inherently things that most people consume as entertainment. But with it being a job, I need to be very clear that it is a boundary mm-hmm. so that people can just reference it even in the heat of the moment. If they realize that they're like, hey, oh wait, he's disclosed that this is not the time to be trying to chat with him. Right. Like if you want to chat with me about something, we should chat during the day. Right. Not in the middle of like the thick of like a concert, the thick of a festival, and the thick of a situation where you know I have Ergus routes, I have four celebrities coming in, and mm-hmm. a lot of these people are looking to have a certain level of expectation, the service level met, and most of them are coming to me because of the level of confidentiality, the level of professionalism, and the fact that I'm not trying to bring people to get a photo. Mm-hmm. So the photo op has to be done on your own time. And if you're able to do that, or if that's even appropriate. Right. And I think it's also removing that from my culture. I think a lot of people think that life is all about getting these photos. Mm. You need to see things with your own two eyes and experience life with your own two eyes. Um, like Meek Mill put it really well in a quote, which is like, you know, you can either be at the Rock Nation brunch and take it in and build relationships and business that will last a lifetime, or you can get your pick with Jay. you're either a fan or you're a friend and i think that is the biggest differentiator in the entertainment business is you're either a fan or a friend Mm -hmm. i think that's the same thing there's a lot of people that look like business experts that aren't doing business that have never done a business Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Especially nowadays when, you know, we have Instagram coming up and like, you, you know, it's, it's all just about the perceived kind of reality that we want to put out. Right. And it's like all like our, our highlight reels and everything like that. It's like, Oh, like I get the picture with, you know, this one person and it's like, Oh yeah. Like we're make it seem like we're buddies or something. But in reality, like it's just like a passing by, like, you know, encounter this person had or anything like that. And so do you think, and this is kind of a side question, but I'm actually curious to like, like hear your perspective on this one, but with the likes being taken off of Instagram, I don't know if you've heard of that. Like that's like a thing they're testing. How do you think, do you think that'll be better or, or, or what do you think that'll do to kind of like the whole, this whole notion of like what you said, like putting that picture up there and this glam kind of stuff. Do you think they'll have any effect on that or do you think no. it'll be there? No, I, I don't no. think it'll affect it at all. I don't think it's actually going to improve anyone's mental health. I think it's a ploy to increase ad spend mm. to drive more push. Uh, but I think as long as people can have that picture and think that they're doing it until they personally realize or come to that conclusion in their own mind that other people seeing this picture and other people liking it or other people's reaction to it will not make them happier in their own personal day-to-day life until Mm -hmm. you come to that personal realization there is no stopping it yeah i could tell you all day or someone that is dealing with that thing that's currently out there listening to this podcast that's posting a ton of pictures and a ton of stuff but they're not actually doing any of it Focus on applying some of the stuff that you're learning in the places that you're at, being present in that room instead of getting that photo or getting that opportunity to speak and improve the quality of your life, improve mm-hmm. the quality of your headspace, because this is where you live a lot of your life. In. Yeah, for sure, Living man. In a healthier space is very fucking important to live your life. Yeah, man, I totally agree. And I love how you said earlier in the podcast, how you, um, you know, you took the time to become mental, like, or mentally healthy, you know, and, and get your mind right by like doing meditation and breath work and stuff like that. So, so along with those things, what, what were some other things that you did that helped yourself to, like you said, get your mind right and, and ultimately ground yourself to, you know, be more genuine, be yourself and enjoy life. Cause, um, I, I, a lot of our listeners who listen right now, they, they do are, they are successful in life, but they're looking for that fulfillment. And, you know, we talked about right before the sh- before we started talking on the show, how, you know, there's a lot of people out there who have million, millions of dollars and they have the cars and they have the things, but they're not happy. So what did you personally do to help yourself get to that place so that people in that situation might be able to implement it in their own lives? Uh, I actually started doing holotropic breathwork, which releases mm. a natural dose of like DMT pretty much through your body. Uh, wow. which has like a little bit of an outer body experience and it's a rebirthing process. So you experience and you deal with past trauma. I think by, you know, breathing in a focused pattern, you can do really well. Uh, I think Reiki is a great treatment option as well. Yoga, um, anything that you're really focused to be present in your now. And it's also stripping yourself of things that you thought made you worthy, you know, mm-hmm. stripping yourself of that job title, not telling people that is what you do, mm. you know, stripping mm-hmm. yourself of the toys. Right. And I think the important thing is just being a good person for the sake of being a good person, not for, you know, getting anything out of it, but just because that's how you choose to live your life. Right. Right. I think that's so cool. And holotropic breathwork, I've heard of it, but I didn't know about the DMT thing. That is, that is pretty crazy. I actually did not know that that was even involved in that practice at all. Like, did you, like, how did you come across this work? Did you like hear it from well, someone? Your body, or? So I'm not saying we, we don't take actual DMT. Right. Yeah, yeah. Breathing. Our lungs naturally produce DMT. Right. If you're breathing in that sort of state. 
Uh, I came across it because I was curious about like breathwork. I've heard of great experiences. I heard it's a great way of reflection and meditation. And I had a friend that introduced me to a shaman that like does like some sessions. And I went out to do that. And it was just a really eye opening experience for 30 to 60 minutes to get out of your own head, to separate away from this thing (laughs) and just vibrate in your own frequency and figure out what you're dealing with from your own perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's learning that, how to heal yourself. It's not someone else healing you. It's learning how to heal yourself. Right. That's totally beautiful. And so, like, I know we can't go into the whole thing right now, but like, how how do you kind of look at something that's in the past that might be like traumatizing? And by traumatizing, you know, I don't mean like, I mean, yes, of course, it does include like the real big kind of traumas that you hear from people who go through like unspeakable things. But like for for some people, like having parents who are like you know really tough on their kids could be a form of trauma. Like, how do you kind of unpack those things so they don't necessarily you know pull or push you in a way in your everyday life like today so to say the biggest trauma that all of us deal with including myself is a fear of rejection even after you hit certain levels of success in your business when you pitch to a new client you still have that pit in the bottom of your stomach yeah of course and it's building up that confidence and resilience that at the end of the day regardless of what happens today or in the next hour you're gonna figure out a way to make it work Mm-hmm. Because it's life. You just get brought to a new subset of decisions and options. Right. And it's embracing that uncertainty and staying in flow and just being present. Mm-hmm. It allows you to, you know, kind of get over that trauma. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, presence. And you is can't. So you can't do anything to change what's happened in your past. Your past is and forever will be your your past. Mm-hmm. It's what can you do today to make that past better. I love that, man. I love that. That is awesome. I, I got the chills listening to that because it's so true. Because you can't change the past and you're only in the present moment. Like one quote that I heard that literally I think about every single day is like, if you're thinking too, too much in the future, you're super stressed out. If you're thinking too, too much in the past, you're going to be depressed. But if you're in the present, like you're, you're at peace, like no matter what. And I thought that was totally. like a super powerful quote. Totally at peace. And I think yeah. that's where most people need to try and get to is get away from this idea that I need to like just retreat from the world and shut myself off until I hit this goal, because you're going to shut yourself off from so many opportunities and experiences in life that might actually accelerate you getting to your goal, might change what your goal becomes or might change your perception of what life or your existence is about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a really, really important note to put out there, like for sure. And I speak from personal experience because I, in college, I had this big goal and everything and I shut myself off and it led me to a very miserable life, like an ended relationship. Like my friends, like, you know, kind of like passed away on me. Like my relationship with my family started to tank. Like, it's so true. Like I, for anyone listening right now, who doesn't believe what he's saying. Like I can tell you right now I've been there and it's, it's not pretty. And I think that's a really, really powerful note to end this, uh, end this podcast on. And Ashwin, it's been just a real pleasure speaking with you. And uh, I think, again, your level of emotional intelligence is out of this world. I think it's so cool. And I think that, you know, our listeners can really enjoy uh, listening to your podcast, digging into your world. And so where can they do that? Um, where can they find your podcast? Where can they follow you on social media? Uh, if they're inclined to dig into your world and learn more about what you have to offer? So I'm Ashwin Jacob on all platforms. It's at A-S-H-W-I-N-J-A-C-O-B. My podcast is called New Hollywood. It's on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. It's just new, Mm N-E-W, and then Hollywood, H-O-L-L-Y-W-O-O-D. I love people's feedback on what they got value on in this podcast or anything that they've gotten value in my life. Definitely feel free to reach out and uh, 
always happy to, you know, help. You know, I think that's a very important thing is living life in service and trying to bring value to others. And I think, uh, you know, the new Hollywood podcast and a lot of the content that I push out there is really about seeing people trying to live a better life or more fulfilled life. Mm, Yeah. And so if you like this podcast, I can tell you right now, you'll definitely like that podcast. So go out and listen to it. I've listened to a few episodes and I loved it. And I'm sure you guys will too. Um, Ashwin is just awesome. I've had a pleasure speaking with him, learned so much from him. So if you keep digging into his world, I'm sure you'll learn a lot more. All right, Ashwin, for my last question here, what does fulfillment mean to you and what fulfills you in life? It's being in a state of flow and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in a state of flow, that means you're living in your present. And if you're focused on your gratitude, your vibrations will be higher. I did a big post today about what are you thankful for? So if you start off your day about thinking about three things that you're thankful for, mm-hmm. your day's going to go better. I love that, man. You're awesome, Ashwin. Yeah, that Great. is awesome, man. I love it, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. It was a real pleasure speaking with you, brother. Dude, great channel with you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Art of Fulfillment. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen because we know there's a bunch of podcasts out there and the fact that you chose us really means the world. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, feel free to do so. And if this podcast has added value to you in any way possible, please leave a review or rate because it helps us to reach more people and to help as many people as possible create a fulfilling life for themselves. You can find us at Instagram at Joe Corsione. That's my personal account. Feel free to send me a DM or a message about anything that you want to know in your life, such as a problem you're going through, how to be more fulfilled in life, meditation techniques, anything personal development, I'd be more than happy to answer. And you can also follow our official Instagram page at Art of Fulfillment. And you can DM us there as well. And we'll be more than happy to get back to you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, create a life of fulfillment for yourself. And we will see you next Wednesday.